0: Really what we're here is to, to meet you where you are in your journey and to be your, your free guide along that way with an understanding that hiring is actually, um, it's, it's going up tremendously for certain sectors and there is an opportunity for people to be rehired into those sectors if they have the right support.
1: Hi, this is Diana Brunel O'Leary and welcome to another episode of Job Talk Weekly. Today, I talk with Katherine Zaleski, co-founder of Power to Fly, a job search platform serving women and people of diverse genders and backgrounds in corporate America. Before we start, I'd like to remind you that we want to hear your suggestions for topics, especially as we gear up for the new year. Tell us where you need help in your job search or the types of people you'd like to hear from, and we'll do our best to add it to our schedule. Send us a note at info at JobTalkWeekly.com. Thank you. Let's jump in. We're talking with Katherine Zaleski, co-founder of Power to Fly, an online platform for jobs and career services aimed at women. Hi Catherine. welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, we're glad to have you here. I've come across your service, and to me it seems sort of like a high-end professional matchmaker for companies and women, especially those who are looking for remote work. Tell us what the job candidates can expect when they visit Power to Fly.
0: So, yes, you have that You have that correct on a number of points. Um, I would like to sort of expand the definition a little bit more to say that Our focus initially was on women, women working remotely. Uh, Now the entire world is working remotely. Yeah. But um, one of the things that we did do in the last two years before the world started working remotely is we really sped up a lot of the in-office opportunities as well, uh, in part because we understood that to have a high visibility role at a lot of companies, uh, especially in the U.S. and uh, in the EMEA region, you do still have to uh, be in the workplace, be be uh, reporting to an office frequently. So um, we were very focused on that as well. And then, you know, the other thing to also point out on the women's side is we really focus on um, underrepresented genders more than specifically women. Mm. So, for example, you know, if you're a woman that is considerably underrepresented in many fields, um, especially if you're a diverse woman, a woman of color, a black woman. Um, And then uh, let's say you're you're trans Um, and uh, if you identify as a woman, if you identify as a trans man, we we also welcome you um, if you're non-binary, gender non-conforming. I mean, there's just so many ways to look at gender now. And really what we want to do is be open to an intersectional, um, less than saying, you know, you have to be a woman because Mm -hmm. that -hmm. definition is is, uh, changed dramatically. So, um, and we're going to be branching out more on that in, in 2021 as well. Um, I would say high end matchmaking, but also very much at scale. We have a database of 25 million women Wow. now, diverse, diverse women, diverse genders. Um, and you need to have that kind of scale if you're doing aggressive, um, campaigning, um, you know, for, for diverse talent to bring in diverse talent when you're working with companies like we do, like Microsoft, like Slack, like Deloitte, like Facebook, all massive companies that need a, frankly, need a a pool of talent in the thousands in order to make 10 hires.
1: Yeah. So how did you get there, though? I mean, you had to start somewhere. And, you know, there is a scaling process in the beginning. What did Power to Fly do to try and attract all these companies?
0: Well, <laughs> it's a great hustle. question. because, Does it is hustle. Like hustle? Yeah, do the hustle. I mean, like with any good business, you usually start with the friends and family. Yeah. And <laughs> you convince a couple people <laughs> to take a risk on you. I I started out in the media space and that was the first 10 years of my career. And so... You know, I think I built up a lot of trust. I I ran pretty large teams at a very young age. I was the sixth employee at Huffington Post. And yeah. that was really me and another person, a, a, a really wonderful friend of mine who I went to grade school with. Our friends were in the same Lamaze class together. Yeah. We were the editors of the homepage of the Huffington Post. Um, and then that grew tremendously over time. And... Um, and then I went over to be the head of digital. I ran digital, like new digital projects and social and all that stuff over at the The Washington Post under a fantastic managing editor, Ah uh, Narasetti. And um, you know, I, I built up some trust there. but but part of it, um and then also went on to start another company. But you know, so much of my experiences in these in these major media organizations was, that when it came to hiring talent, you needed the talent the day before yesterday. Yeah. And you would often look to your friendship, friendship pools, oh sure, people you knew, reference pools. And I'm, you know, a white woman from um, a, a privileged background in New York City and um, went to a lot of the schools that people hire from and, and never just didn't branch out when it came to building teams. And, you know, you look around yourself after a while and you say, wow, did I really just build a coalition of people within a newsroom to to report on national and international issues to be to really reflect people's voices and concerns that looks way too much like me? That, there's a problem. There's a major problem there. Yeah. So I knew that it was actually beyond just me making a change. There needed to be an actual platform that could branch out beyond these referral networks. In many ways, do what referral networks do, which is send someone an email, ask them if they'd be interested in in coming in and talking, hearing what the job would entail versus interested in applying. You know, that's what you do when you ask your friend to to come in for that. You say, hey, would you be interested in coming and working at The Washington Post? Let me tell you first what's going on. Yeah, and you meet with some people first? We do that at a scale of thousands, tens of thousands per company when we're given a set of jobs. And we do it mainly through virtual events. And then we also have more casual live chats. We do about one to three a day on the site within our community but also major companies and those are focused more on upskilling giving people the opportunity to connect for free everything's for free on the talent side and really really build these connections into these companies that you know if you don't come from like the school where they're doing all the hiring you know where the cto came from yeah it's very hard to get into those companies we're trying to break down those barriers and that's what the platform really focuses on
1: yeah and it's true because so many jobs come from your network. I mean, that's proven time and time and again that's the way it was when I entered the business, and that's the way it is now. So it's great that you're offering this other option now you you did clarify that for the job candidates, everything is free, but there are there is potential for them to purchase other services um, from your platform. Is that right?
0: We have a very burgeoning coaching um opportunity where you can buy coaching hours that's it everything oh, okay. is really free okay any anything you need to you you can pay for but you know really you're, you're paying for our coaches time um and that's it and we'd like to expand on that even the mentorship program that we have that we're we've launched out we, the way that we've launched it is for companies to pay for the mentorship hours for the talent oh wow for the talent so it's not asking the women to pay or the you know these diverse candidates to pay for mentorships it's we are literally pitching to the companies on their behalf that they the companies should be paying for it because they're the ones who get the value out of it right
1: yeah as, definitely a, in
0: addition to the mentee but you know the company is really getting you, you are you're, you're as valuable as your as your key players and you know as your players and so yeah you need to invest in them more so we really are i would say 99.999 percent free and then Yeah.
1: Well, and it's the companies it's I'm sorry, but it's the companies who pay a a fee to be a part of your platform. So they're the ones who help keep it funded. So that is true that the candidate because I've spent some time on Power to Fly and you can get a lot from it without spending a dime.
0: Exactly. And so the the way it works on the company side is um, thank you for saying that, by the way, Um, the way it works on the company side is um, they buy. We ask companies to buy um, to commit for a year and often uh, multi-year subscriptions. They pay a subscription to be able to um, uh, run live events um, off the platform and to connect, to really present themselves in front of um, our community. And um, the one of the reasons we do a subscription is because when we did have a pay-per-hire model,
1: mm-hmm. we found
0: that it really disincentivized companies to hire more diverse candidates. Really, They would look at it from an ROI perspective yeah, because if you can do un- if you can make unlimited hires from a platform, and it really the the energy you need to put into it is you know your effort in connecting with them, you're going to do that, and you're going to make more hires, and you're going to actually fulfill on the ultimate mission of why we set up the company, which is to um, you know, put more diverse candidates into high visibility roles, and ultimately you know lift everybody as a result, right? Because right. companies perform better, countries perform better, everything. But if you have a traditional recruiting model, you know, sometimes it works for some people, but not if you're trying to make the, the, you're not not if you're trying to create the impact that we're trying to create and that, on the scale that we're trying to, to do it at.
1: Well, I think the good thing here is that you are getting like minded people and companies together because it's true when a company comes to you, they know that they might be paying in addition to posting a job on LinkedIn and having a subscription with you. They're going for these niche candidates, perhaps. But that's something that now I feel like companies are tripping over themselves to try and build out. So have you seen some increase in the last year or so?
0: I mean, we've definitely seen a big increase in, in interest in, in what we do and sign-ups. I mean, there's no doubt that, like, that a couple key factors have come into play that are helping diverse talent more than ever. I would argue that, you know, the push towards remote is, is, is evening the playing field considerably in the sense that, you know, you don't have to live in New York, Seattle, San Francisco, very high cost of living centers in order to be hired by these companies right now. Yeah. Um And... That's big. But on the on the other side of the spectrum, you know, a lot of these candidates that we're putting in front of them are, are ones that are taking on the demands of this uh, pandemic more than candidates who traditionally get hired, which are you know white men. So uh, what we're seeing is that there's been a huge burden on, on mothers, on women. Um, they're really the social safety net here in the United States. And um, the dropout rates in the workforce right now are really really terrifying and you're seeing um you know you're especially you're seeing cases where well you're seeing like four times more women than men have left the labor force um they left the labor force in september um you know, the situation for single women isn't that great either three women dropped out for every woman who got a job um so there's just a huge amount of pressure right now a lot of it has to do with childcare. a lot of it has to do with not just taking care of your children, but your elderly relatives who are getting affected by this disease. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot. And, and, um, you know, part of it is like, I think a lot of, a lot of women I know, at least in my daughter's class and um, who've worked 20, 30, 25, 20 years now for their high level banking careers. I live in New York city and um, they're saying things like, well, you know, now is a good time to take a break. <laughs> And I, I, I agree. I mean, like, yeah, the pressure is in, intense, right? And yeah. um, a lot of these women, they are the high visibility career women, right? They're the ones who could be the VPs at Credit Suisse or, right. you know, places like that. And they might come back in. I mean, look at like the, the example of like the Citigroup CEO, right? I think she left the workplace for a while. Even Margaret mm-hmm. Thatcher, right? She had twins. She <laughs> left the workplace for a while. I was just watching The Crown the other day. Yes. But I think we have to be very, very careful that this is not a long-term situation for um, for a lot of these uh, these women. And I, again, I'm talking about very privileged women. There's no doubt that like this, the COVID crisis has affected um, the service industry uh, proportionally disproportionately, excuse me, and um, the majority of, of uh, workers in the service industry are, are women. Yes,
1: um, and women who, of color.
0: Uh, women of color. And so uh, we really, as a nation, I, I think there, there needs to be a lot of work done on the on the public sector, private sector to, to mend this because there's going to be damage that affects everybody, men, women, children, everybody, single people, that, that is because of, of what's happening in the workplace right now. Uh, one thing that Power to Fly is, is gearing up for is this concept of the great rehiring. Ooh, which tell is, us about you know,
1: that.
0: Yeah, you do see, um, well, first of all, like there's definitely an uptick in hiring at, at at companies that are powering the backbone of the world that we live in right now. Microsoft's a huge client of ours, right? They've, mm-hmm. they've continued doing um, a ton of, of great events and they're wonderful when it comes to connecting with with diverse talent. They're very, very um, consider it they really run people through a process um, and and they, they get it they have a really finely tuned machine there well you know like we're on Skype right now right like this is our world yeah. right so these these businesses are growing and so um, the cost like goods buying is way up people are not spending money in restaurants or on travel so they're buying things stuff. on the internet and so those this yeah. so stuff so so there are a lot of jobs there for on, you know on the knowledge base side that are growing right in those sectors and so one thing that we're really focused on is making sure that we have a ton of upskilling programming and that when a woman comes to us or a diverse candidate comes to us you know it's a journey right they might not be ready for that job at microsoft this year Mm -hmm. or this month but in six months we're going to have another event with microsoft and you know things have changed maybe their kids are going they're back in school you know that that the ban on in-person school has been lifted. So, really, what we're here is to to meet you where you are in your journey and to be your your free guide along that way, with an understanding that hiring is actually um, it's it's going up tremendously for for certain sectors, and um, there is an opportunity for people to be rehired into those sectors if they have the right support.
1: Right, right. And that's where then your service comes in with the network and some of the other training and skill, upskilling, I I guess is the way you would call it. So before the pandemic, though, were there certain trends or surprises that you saw? Because your company had been in business for about six years. What was it like before the pandemic? What were some of the, the surprises maybe or some of the successes that you had?
0: Well, I mean, it is interesting how everybody's embracing remote now yeah. in terms of product- productivity and even in the playing field when before you literally had, you know, CEOs of major companies saying that you couldn't actually build the company unless it was people were literally gathered around a water cooler right. and you didn't know how like Mark, Mark Zuckerberg espousing remote. So people have changed their tune dramatically on that, yeah, that one. So that's been a surprise after like literally getting laughed out of rooms or told that it would never be serious business so Mm -hmm. they do say the two things that actually change the world the most are war and and disease so here we are um I know it's and yeah I mean it's undeniably this pandemic is going to change the world it it already has yeah and I don't want to say that I'm like a pandemic embracer I'm not it's been very very (laughs) difficult and challenging and (laughs) terrible things but then there's a lot of other things that are happening are that are coming out of this so I um that has been a little bit of a surprise by how quickly they embraced it and, and, you know, these leaders and how they're not really fighting to get back into the office yeah. post-pandemic. Black Lives Matter definitely galvanized a lot of talent acquisition leader, not talent acquisition leaders, but diversity and inclusion
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, initiatives at companies to go beyond allyship and actually do the hard work that's involved in bringing in diverse talent.
1: Yeah, um, and to being anti-racist, always, yeah.
0: to be Yeah, to being anti-racist and, and building... Um, workplaces, yeah, that are actively anti-racist because so much of uh, what we saw in the past was just incredible performative allyship where you would have a company that had no problem spending millions of dollars on ad campaigns around mm-hmm. um, being in a diverse and inclusive workplace, but then when you would ask them to you know, pay a, a, an incredibly modest fee to put in the work that it takes into sifting out huge data sets of talent and reaching out to diverse candidates and you know putting in the hours there they would completely bristle so i'm starting to see that change a little bit i mean we did have an issue with a company on friday who um literally said you know this is too much work (laughs) (laughs) and wanted to defer to a performative thing and we, we really have to work very hard to like Keep those companies honest, and 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 the beauty of our platform now, the Powerfly platform now, is I can now tell a major financial institution who says that you know they don't want to do something some way. I can, I, one way I can I can actually say, well, your competitor down the street did it this way, and these are their results.
1: Yeah. You know, when we talk about diversity and failed diversity efforts, there's always intention versus outcome. And there's a lot of companies who, like you said, do the performative part. But if you've got the results to prove, you've got the outcomes, then you can, you can point to that. I think one of the important parts of having women lead more is having male champions in the office. And I think back to some of the male managers that I've had where they have been really supportive of working women. I think of a boss I had uh, many years ago who hired a woman who was six months pregnant. And, you know, for a lot of people, that would have been a shocker. And, you know, she came to work. She worked for us for a month and a half. She went took maternity leave and she came back and she was a great producer. So do you feel like that is part of it's having the male leadership in the company and in particular, having the white male leadership of a company, you sort of embrace these efforts to get the outcomes that they want.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you have to, you have to really go and be above and beyond doing the one thing that they think everybody that they're not going to do. I also think women are a huge part of this. Like I've written about my own experiences where, Oh yeah. Um, not being not being af- afraid to afraid to um hire someone who's six months pregnant but really to embrace it in these situations it's it's about understanding that you're hiring a human being
1: and yeah. um,
0: if you're hiring a human being, their lives are going to change a lot during the course of your relationship with them and men's lives change a lot during their lives as well um especially if they're with a the company thirty forty years and you know oftentimes they're you know they might have to leave for a while as well.
1: Mm-hmm. they have
0: health health changes as well, and so i do I have to remind sometimes people like um especially people who are coming into this field and if sort of you're deprogramming them against this you know sometimes women too against uh, ingrained misogyny and um and stuff that they frankly picked up from watching you know movies and t v shows a lot around. of mad mad places should be, yeah. Yeah and and, and and I remind them especially younger women I'm like you're probably going to have babies too one day You know, I'm so glad you say that
1: because I am thinking about the essay that you wrote in 2015 um, called I'm Sorry. And if if other people want to go search it, um, I'm Sorry to Working Mothers. Does that sound about right? The the title of the essay? Uh, I
0: think it was I'm Sorry to All the Mothers I Used to Work With. Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) Um, But what was so interesting about your essay was that you honed in on the perception of what working mothers could contribute. You know, we all knew that the hours and travel and demands of corporate life were often at odds with raising a child. But you brought up the one thing that people kind of didn't talk about, they didn't even want to utter out loud, was like what you called sort of the eye rolling, like, oh, is this working mom going to be in it 100%? Is she going to be available? And it wasn't just other childless executives, that in particular, it was other women who had this feeling. So did people pull you aside and say, you know, how did they respond to you? Did they did they agree with you? Or did they? Were they shocked by it? I mean, t- tell me a little bit about the response you got.
0: Well, it's funny, because the women that I did work with, who are moms were like, "Wow, oh, I thought you were really great to work with. But it's <laughs> like, it wasn't about I was very nice. <laughs> but It was like this sort of slightly competitive. I mean, I'm a very competitive person. I was like, I'm gonna get ahead. You know, it's just yeah. terrible. Like, and it doesn't work out because at some point it's going to stop. You're going to stop in your tracks and you're going to y- y- life comes at you, you know? And well, I mean, as you can, I, I millions of people read that. So I got my fair share of some really nasty ones, nasty comments, but you know, we're warranted like whatever. I, I wrote something to elicit a conversation, to get a conversation going. Yeah. So with people being angry, that's fine. That's understandable. I, I, it, it was to make people angry in some ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, you had to out. make them a little uncomfortable to have the conversation. I think that's spot yeah. on.
0: Yeah, and then, um, but then there were, uh, there were a lot of women who were not, are now mothers who said, "Yeah, I, I, I understand. Like, I was like that too, and I'm ashamed. And thank you for like giving me an opportunity to reflect on that. And um, and part of it, it was, you know, really, it was a a piece to. To warn people that don't don't get to the situation where you have a baby and you realize I shouldn't have thought that way. Like be better before then, you know? Don't go don't do my path. Go down down my path. And so there were a lot of responses on that. Um, then I got some people who said, You need to talk about ageism, you need to talk and my uh, you oh, need to talk about go down the uh, list. <laughs> every everything else. And I said, Or, you know, why aren't you talking about race more? And I said, Well, because this is really I'm 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 sharing my, my own experience here. And I know, but I can't, I can't pretend to understand everybody else's experiences. That would be an incredibly disingenuous thing to write. And so I think what it did do is it it brought some other conversations out there and some more context, but yeah, no, it really, it hit a, um, it, it hit a nerve. My husband was like at a meeting at Twitter and in the other room, the woman, the woman he was meeting with came in she's like, yeah, we're having a, Uh, a a meeting right now with our women's ERG about this article that this woman wrote (laughs) 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 he's like yeah that's my wife so
1: (laughs) nice nice
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know it was everywhere for a while but
1: yeah but you you know, you mentioned competitive and it's okay to be competitive and you can try and position yourself. You can be really ambitious and work really hard. You just have to give everyone a fair shake, whether they are the white working mom or whether they're an up-and-coming Latina executive or whether they're the guy that's been at the office for, for 30 years. You just have to judge people fairly on what they produce and what they bring to the office. I think a lot of people do check some of their personal life at home, but especially now, after the pandemic those lines are blurred you know kids are on the zoom calls people are just driving around town getting stuff done in all types of ways um but i think as you i think what you're trying to say is you know let's let's take that one off the table now okay working parents can work their butt off and in many cases you know give me a working mom any day of the week because she knows how to prioritize she is extremely efficient with her time and she gets stuff done
0: yeah, yeah, and and frankly, make sacrifices to get things done when you don't have the luxury of doing it when other people can. I, mean, my husband, he woke up at four or four thirty this morning, and he's the one who's overseeing the homeschooling right now. Bless him. So, yeah, so it's like <laughs> it's and yeah, he's not he's super present right now in the other meetings, but he got everything else done and and earlier, and so i mean i would I would like to press anybody who wakes up at if you're not waking up at four a m then don't be judgmental if he doesn't respond to you at
1: five p m yeah <laughs> during dinner time, you know <laughs> so and it it hits us all.
0: Respond, but yeah.
1: There's different stages in our life too, and I want to remind us of that because you know I think back to when I was a young single working person. I mean, this was during the yuppie season in Chicago, where we all sort of embraced yeah. that term, and that's kind of that was our aspiration, right? But I yeah. wanted. I wanted a different lifestyle, and so I did ha- work for a mom. She um, she had one daughter, and, and she was married, too, but she had to come all the way downtown, which is far away from her home. And And so I went to her one day and said, look, you are the early bird. I'm never going to be that early. Why don't you come in and work 730 to 4? And then I'll come in at 8.30 and stay until 5 because we were in the human resources department during a time when people literally just stop by um, to, to chat and to follow on yeah. conversations. And so I was the one driving it, not because I had kids, but because I had a life, I had grad school, and I just could not drag my butt to work by 7.45. But she easily could because she was already up with her kid. So we worked out these deals. So I guess the message, too, is even if you don't have kids, but you have yeah. a robust personal life... You have that thing that you're doing on the side, you're writing the great American novel, um, or you are stopping in to check in on mom every other day now because of the pandemic. Go ahead and, and negotiate what you need with other people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I heard, I was listening to this great Harvard Business Review podcast. It's like consistency with flexibility mm. or planned flexibility. Mm-hmm. It's sort of saying, hey, I need to be flexible in these hours because my home situation is now seeping into life, you know, my work life. But, you know, you, you also, yeah, you drew, drew on, a, if I may, I just want to tell a really quick anecdote. When I was, I, I mentioned that, you know, one of my childhood friends um, brought me in to edit the homepage of the Huffington Post. And we were 24 years old and we were both in very serious relationships with, you know, boyfriends who we were eventually going to marry. And um, it was a crazy job. I mean, we, we literally, you had to be updating that homepage 24 7
1: pretty much yeah someone had um yeah and there was
0: only two of us it was a startup it wasn't you know funded really yet and so instead of me saying well you have to work nights consistently or her saying you have to work nights and weekends consistently we worked out a deal together where we were like well you know we want to go out on dates we want to hang out with our (laughs) friends so we 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 switched we both we, we 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 divvied up the burden yeah, And, you know, as as a result, we were able to really build very strong careers out of that. But it was that partnership and it was that yeah. work wife minship, work wife womanship or whatever that that made it happen. And I think back on that a lot. And she was the one who actually came up with the schedule. It was a very creative schedule. But it worked, you know, and it but, was fair and it, it, it let us
1: both grow. And y- what you each had, though, was the trust in each other to get it done and the courage to ask for what you want. I think 30 years ago, I'm trying to think if two young working women would have had the courage to ask for that, unless they were best friends like you guys were. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: well, very old friends. We, we, we ended up taking it to our boss, who is like a wonderful man who's built huge media companies, but, yeah. um, and we didn't really, we were just like, this is our schedule. We're gonna split it up, and he never could really figure out who was on at any time. So he he would message us both all the time.
1: But that's fine because as long say, as the work got done, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. good for you. Okay, so what's next for Power to Fly?
0: Oh, gosh, this is a great question. What's next? I was I have a lot of twenty twenty one planning to do, but I would say um, we have a huge summit coming up in February. Big newsmakers, Valerie Jarrett, um, nice. going to open up the policy track. It's a uh, February. Um, first through the fifth, we're going to cap it all off with a career fair, free career fair with major companies meeting with people on the final day, all virtual. Mm-hmm. And um, really, it's all in conjunction with the, um, uh, with the first 100 days of the new administration and not rebuilding America, because we know that a lot should not be rebuilt, but really uh, driving forth a new agenda around diversity and inclusion across multiple sectors, not just, you know, uh, media, policy, nonprofits, you name it. So we're going to have fantastic speakers opening that up. And we we had one in June that had everyone from Mariana Huffington to um, Donna Brazil and Senator mm. Kirsten mm. Gillibrand talking. So, um, so join us at that. And then, you know, just p- lots of really cool um, uh, opportunities to continue upskilling and job matching is getting better and, you know, opening up the platform to more companies and, and more opportunities. Well, that's so, terrific.
1: Katherine, Katherine from Power to Fly, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation and I'm honored. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think, so please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at JobTalkWeekly.com. See you next time.